the, the better factor would be, you know, to incentivize people to get the vaccine. And she said, well, you know, I just really didn't, you know, I didn't know. And I said, but here's the thing. You didn't know and you reached out to somebody in the industry. And that's what makes you a good politician. This is the Disruptive Podcast with Scott Middleton. Each week, Scott shares how he uses the leadership principle of disruption to keep his companies growing and moving in the right direction. Let's get started. Welcome to the Disrupted Podcast. My name is Jamie Preston, and Scott, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm great. Uh, I I was, as we were talking right before the show, um, fall came in yesterday uh, with feeling like summer, and then we wake up today and got a nice, fresh uh, uh, fall weather, nice and cool outside. it's beautiful. I've got my windows open. Um, I can I can hear the crows outside. A cup of coffee on my desk. It's it's perfect. <laughs> Good for you. Good for you. Yeah. Um, you know, and and I think what it has to do um, as the as the weather turns cold, I have to go back to say, oh my gosh, it's blue season. Yeah. Uh, yep. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's it. You know. And, and, but I think, I think we're going to look at the flu and all these viruses way different than we did before. Yeah. 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 You know, you kind of hope so. So what was interesting as I started looking at the number of deaths over the last two years of COVID, what I realized is there's been no deaths of flu. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and normally those flu deaths are somewhere between 90 and 150,000 a year. So um, it's all been you know, gone back to the COVID. So what right. people need to understand too is that COVID deaths are, are you know, anything, anybody who dies has been pretty much, you know, connected to COVID at some point because even if you're sick, you go into the hospital for the longest time you were getting COVID there. Yeah, right. That was the big issue for them. Um, so I do think that uh, we really have to, you know, just kind of put that in perspective. But you know, the wearing of the mask actually wasn't a bad thing. So I was talking to one of our providers the other day, and we were in, it was actually an orientation. And so there was, uh, it was uh, not in a clinical setting. And she had a mask on. And I said, uh, oh, my gosh. I said, why have you not gotten the vaccine? That was my first question to her. And she said, what do you mean? I got the vaccine. And I said, oh, well, you're wearing a mask. And she said, well, I just kind of am overly precautious. And I said, well, just for you to know the statistics only you have a one percent chance if you have had if you've uh, had the vaccine of pass of getting covid and then passing it on to somebody else right and and i said so what you're obviously doing is trying to protect yourself mm-hmm. not other people because i mean what's a one percent chance yeah. you know that's not risk and it, you know you have a more likelihood of getting in a car and having a wreck Sure. And actually, all those numbers, you know, so do you just say, well, if I'm going to wear a mask, I'm not going to drive a car because I don't want to hurt somebody if I'm in a wreck. Right. Um, we're not doing that. So then I so then I said, but here's the problem. You're wearing a cloth mask. And I, if I have COVID, then I'm sitting here talking to you. It's now on your mask mm-hmm. and you're going to touch that mask. You're going to touch your face. You're going to touch something. And you're not taking that mask off and putting on a new one every 20 minutes. When you're around people, right? And I said, because you're touching the front of your mask, you're better off not wearing one, especially if you're outdoors or you're, you know, unless you're right on top of somebody. Sure. People just don't understand the the concept behind what's going on. So, actually, I talked to um, 
many of our city officials this week, and I said, you know, here's why I think you don't need a mask ordinance. You don't need a mask ordinance because you are diverting your attention and your resources away from your, the real issue, and that is for people to get the vaccine. Yep. So instead of your fire department going around and writing tickets for people who don't have a mask on, why aren't they setting up vaccine sites yeah, for people? Absolutely. Why are they not walking around with signs and, and talking to people and saying, hey, have you had your vaccine? What can I do to help you? Um, unfortunately, we have a lot of firefighters in Columbia who haven't got the vaccine, and yet they're supposed to be enforcing this mask ordinance. Right. <laughs> Yeah, that doesn't make sense. So one of the city council people reached out to me today, um, and she said, hey, what about requiring restaurants to check vaccine cards before they come in? Mm. And I went, oh, my gosh, no. I said, first of all, restaurants and restaurant workers cannot be the police. Yeah. So don't pass your orders off for us to do what your job is. And I said, but why don't you do this? Why don't the city offer a, a reward to if, – if a restaurant gets 95% of their employees vaccinated, then why don't you give them a, a $50 per employee? Yeah. So if I have 10 employees, I get a $500 check if I can convince everybody in the place to go get vaccinated. There's schools, um, there's schools that are doing that in the upstate right now. Um, there's a school here that is giving $100 per kid that gets vaccinated. And, oh. and, and they're passing out those checks. The parents are saying, Hey, if you get vaccinated, we'll give you a hundred dollars and they're getting the vaccine. That's great. And, and, you know, I, I have, a, you know, as an employer, I didn't do that because we're in healthcare. If you don't mm -hmm. have the responsibility to go get the vaccine, now we have some people who can't, right. you know, like our, our, we're good. We've got a conference coming up and I have said, you, you must have a, you must show us your vaccine card in order to come to the conference because right. we're a healthcare. Sure. If for some reason you don't, I need you to talk to our medical director. Right. And go through the reasons and then the what's and the ifs and how we can make sure that we're all protected. Uh, but the the main thing is just go get the damn vaccine. And right. I I don't know. It's just it, it just floors me about the propaganda. Greg swears all the propaganda is coming from China. My son, he says <laughs> all the stuff is, and it's funny because it's uh, it, it seems like there's been more of a of a politically conservative mm -hmm. group than anti-vaccine. Yeah, and as he thinks that that China's put out that propaganda on Facebook and and Instagram and all that stuff not to get the vaccine. So it'll kill the U.S. economy, but mm. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe yeah. it's true. Yeah, you know, and I think one of the things I keep hearing from people is they they say things like, "I don't know what's in the vaccine." I'm like, "Well, I've never known what was in any any other vaccine that I've taken in the past, and I don't know what's in a hot dog either, but I'll still eat it." <laughs> so, yeah, you may not. Yeah. Say, <laughs> so it came from a cow. No yeah. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. So, uh, so I tell you what, we, we've, we have learned an awful lot um, about uh, the, because of COVID, a lot, a lot of things have changed. You know, I talked to you a lot about the fact that we can do telemedicine and what it's doing and the right. research is coming back so fast and furious that it makes me, it really makes me angry um, as, as a healthcare provider 
that we weren't allowed to do this a long time ago. Yeah. And and by being not being allowed. So here's the thing. Until Medicare and and insurance companies started paying for telemedicine, uh, you know, people would say, well, a doctor could still do it. Well, no, they couldn't because one of the other regulations to participate in those programs is you can't do anything to entice a patient to use you in services. Right. So an enticement would be or an encouragement could be I'm going to pay you if you come uh, to, to my doctor's office because I'm going to bill your insurance. But you also couldn't say I'm going to give you free telehealth visits. Right. So in literally the telehealth programs that were out there were all being run through hospital systems who had an exemption for particular programs. So now that now that we're allowed to do it, what we're seeing in terms of uh, lower hospitalization rates for patients non-COVID, uh, but we would not have been able to keep up with the COVID in the hospitals had it not been for this. But as COVID starts to go away, the hospitals are going to be suffering because mm -hmm. we're doing so many things. As an example, uh, we've talked a lot about, often I've talked to you about um, pharmacy and how we're using pharmacies, pharmacists now to actually do interventions with patients reviewing medications instead of just filling pills. Sure. So this week I was, you know, you just learn something every day. So we have a pharmacy consultant. We were on a call with him. And I said, you know, we've got a new phone system that has some glitches, but one of the things we were able to discover very quickly because we now have prompts. So when you call, it'll say press, I don't know, like two for a prescription refill. So now we can capture what our calls are coming in for. Mm. So last Monday, Jamie, we had 450 calls for medication and prescription refills. Wow. 450 just That's one a lot. day. Yeah. So what my staff tells me is that a lot of that isn't even real. And the reason is that, you know, if you go to a general pharmacist, a pharmacy, what they're going to do is set you up in a robocall. So when they're getting ready to refill a prescription, it, you know, if they fill a 30 day prescription, you automatically go into a robocall in 25 days. They're going to call you and say, call your provider for a prescription refill. Right. Even though in their system they may have logged that you can have three more refills. <laughs> yeah. Get the call. So that makes no sense. Uh, it, it does. And so then what happens with us, as soon as that call comes in, we've had somebody answer the phone, talk to the patient, and then they have to go in and put a patient case in for the provider to go look at that refill. So the provider or their staff member, maybe it's their nurse, is pulling that information up. And then seeing the prescriptions already been refilled and having to call the patient back or they're looking to see, hey, the patient may need the refill. What um, what my pharmacy consultant said, he said, but Scott, most every pharmacy has in their practice agreement that they have the, the right um, for any what they would call maintenance medications, you know, something for your diabetes or your, uh, you know, blood pressure medicines, not like narcotic pain meds or something, right. but regular maintenance medications, they can do an automatic 30-day refill. The pharmacy can do an automatic 30-day refill of a prescription even though there's not an update on the prescription. Right. So that means that how many times are our patients going and getting a refill at CVS or, or Walgreens or wherever that is, we don't even know it. 
Right. And so we're thinking the prescription expired and they're continuing to take it. Yeah. So I said, well, if that's the case, why wouldn't we do this? Let's take all of those prescription refills and send those calls to our pharmacy pod in South Carolina house calls mm-hmm. and let a pharmacist look at every single one of those. And if they feel and deem that because they're looking in, in the, uh, the health records, not just in their pharmacy system like Walgreens is, they're looking at their they're looking at the patient's records, making an analytics and saying, yeah, this is based on you. You haven't had another visit that changed something out because you could have, you know, right. <laughs> what if a person had gone to, you know, CVS instead of Walgreens this time, got a different prescription refilled. Now it's taking two blood pressure medicines. Just a, so we're trying to figure out what this is. So that, but that again, it's going to be a telehealth visit. The mm-hmm. pharmacist will do a telehealth visit. Um, it, it will be billed to Medicare for that, but how many – so I asked our co- consultant, I said, how is that in terms of how do you see that um, across the board in terms of quality measures and quality health? And he said, oh, my gosh. He said, if, if everybody did that, if everybody did that, he said, we would prevent so much duplication of medications. We prevent so many hospitalizations. Mm. It would change health care overnight. Wow. That's huge. Yeah, it, it you know prescriptions. You know we've been preaching about that for years. How important it is to make sure you're taking the right medication at the right time, and and you can't just let one person in your life determine that, even if that's the greatest doctor in the entire world. Yeah, and and I don't think you can overstate the consultation too, because anytime I've been to a big box pharmacy. I have I have never gotten more than thirty seconds with the pharmacist to even talk about my prescriptions. When, when the when the doctor says here's here's your um, prescription, go get this filled. You know, here's how you take it. I can never remember all that information. And there's so many people out there with you know that are that are older that are not going to remember that, and they're going to end up in the hospital because they're not taking their medications properly. Well, and see that big box pharmacy doesn't have access to your medical records. They right. only have access to theirs. So our pharmacists have access to your entire medical record right. inside of our, our system. And, you know, we're so good about doing um, patient reviews. So like we, we're downloading records from hospitals and other, um, uh, um, other specialists and stuff into our records so it's all there. So the pharmacist really does have a complete – um, set there, but reminds me. Um, so in our orientation this week, also I met with one of our new pharmacists, and and so I was asking her where she was from. Well, she had been working for a, a local pharmacy, a small local pharmacy, uh, for several years, and that pharmacy got bought out by one of the big boxes. Mm. And and so she said, I, so she said, I that's why I left. She said, and and I'm recruiting as many people as I can to come with me because she said we we literally used to do that. She said we used to go through every time somebody had a prescription and we we're looking at everything, asking the patient questions like, did you go to anywhere else? Have you gotten prescriptions refilled somewhere else? Let me know so I can make sure that this is going to be okay for you. With the big box, they don't have time to do that. Right. All they don't. And they don't sit in front of the patient. And so unless a patient requests to talk to a pharmacist, they are not going to have a conversation with them. 
And, and it's almost like if you actually had that conversation and said, Hey, Mrs. Smith, you don't need to take that medicine. They're probably going to get rid of you. Yeah. You know? So, so, uh, yeah, trying to, to bring pharmacy and, and what we do with pharmacy back into the physician's practice. And we would have never been able to do that if it hadn't been for telemedicine. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. You know, I can get somebody to come to your doctor's office because, well, the other, <laughs> the other big issue is you can't build two providers on the same day. If we could fix that piece. So mm. I can't go to a primary care uh, person and then go to a pharmacy pharmacist and have that visit billed on the same day. Right. Right. So that that's where I think we've got to start looking at it. But I do think that that's that the Center for Medical Medicare Services has really got a good handle on uh, starting to look at what primary care looks like. And the fact that the more access people have to primary care, Medicaid yesterday in the state of South Carolina, if you're straight Medicaid, like you're poor and you don't have a Medicare or something else, straight Medicaid, you were only allowed to have 12 visits a year. Wow. So you're disabled, yeah. you know, and you're on Medicaid and you're poor and you're really sick, 12 visits. And it could be, that includes specialists, it includes whatever, you know, 12 visits. And now you could ask for, you could ask to get more based on medical necessity, but the process is so cumbersome. Yeah. Most providers will just say no. My mom You'll had three visits last week in one week. So <laughs> 12 would not be sufficient. All right. Especially for a whole year. Um, so that was rescinded mm. uh, yesterday. I, I hopefully permanently, I'm not positive, but if it's permanent, it will be, uh, it'll be a godsend yeah. to us because now uh, we can probably prevent a lot of, I just don't know what, what are the hospitals going to do? Yeah. Well, if, I've heard, <laughs> I've heard you say it before. Your job and your goal is to, to put them out of business in a good way, not, not in a bad way <laughs> that we don't you know, need them. You know, and I've talked to people in the hospital. I've, I've talked to a group of case managers and I said, so what are y'all going to do if all of a sudden I prevent all the hospital, the hospitalizations and they were going to go sing praises to God and find a new job. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the hospitals will find, you know, plenty of stuff to do any industry uh, will adjust it's going to adjust to what needs to happen it, it you know it'll it always can be you know touch and go at times but it'll adjust every time and and the sad thing is is that technology has grown so fast in the last few years that the average person can't keep up with it yeah right well and technology's outgrown us all and I, I i was watching a documentary the other day and and our computers and our technology has gotten one trillion times faster, but our human brains have never changed. So, and our politicians have gotten a slower. trillion times slower. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's personal politicians, but. <laughs> That's so true. So, it's so true. Yeah. You know, yeah, you know, a lot of our politicians, I, I'm just still amazed. You remember when, um, I think it was Barack Obama uh, got went in, got became a president. They wanted him to give up his uh, cell phone, and they said you can't have a cell phone. And and he was on. Well, no. I mean, that's how I communicate to people, and I'm not right. giving that. Uh, but we still have politicians today that don't have cell phones. You know, mm -hmm. I, I had a meeting with our governor uh, this week, and 
we were talking about Teslas and he just kind of looked at me with this stare, blank stare. I mean, he knows what a Tesla is and what it's doing and, and all, but he looks and he says, you know, I haven't driven a car in four and a half years. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's just not something that I think about. We, we were talking to him about um, having an electronic driver's license, or um, uh, yeah, I guess an electronic driver's license. So, 18 states in the in the country have already approved the fact that you can download a driver's license now onto your phone, and mm. that's a legitimate driver's license for use, and you don't have to carry that card. Yeah, I mean, honestly, everything. I love Apple Pay. I love paying with my phone. Um, it's, it's much easier. It's convenient. I don't have to carry a big old wallet <laughs> with a bunch of cards. It's so much better. Yeah. You know, I started doing that in the last couple of weeks is just carrying my phone and partly cause I got a new phone. It's one of those flip down phones, you know, right. so it fits in my pocket, but I used to carry my credit card, my driver's license connected to it. So, um, if it, and, but so now I do Samsung pay or Google pay or something like that all the time. If I didn't, if I could put my driver's license or my passport or anything else on my phone, you know, the, the amount of stuff I carry around helps. Um, but trying to keep people advancing technology wise, I'm glad I'm still in the workforce and, and I've got kids that are always going, Oh my God, this is so much easier. Let me show you how, right. you know, <laughs> how to, how to do this. But yeah, absolutely. Yeah, what's happening is, is that regulations government is so slow to respond. And, um, you know, like I was, somebody asked me the other day, who are you going to vote for for mayor? And I said, you know, I, I really don't know. And probably until I get to the, to the polls that day and they said, well, are you supporting anybody? And I said, I'll support them all. But the truth of the matter is, I don't know if I really care who is mayor because all the candidates that are that are running have been city council members before. So it's not like they're going to make any great changes. I just need them to get out of my way. Right. Yeah, <laughs> so, absolutely. Yeah, and let me move forward and and figure out how to, to do what I need to do. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's uh, things uh, people create rules and they don't realize what those roles are going to create three or two years down the road um, for another problem that's just going to create. Yeah. So, so like the politician that reached out to me, the city council person and said, Hey, what do you think about, you know, um, requiring restaurants, you know, to, to check your uh, COVID IDs basically. And, and, you know, and when I told her, what it was going to do. Like we had one restaurant in town who did, and it, it, they cut their business by 35%. The, the better factor would be, you know, to incentivize people to get the vaccine. And she said, well, you know, I just really didn't, you know, I didn't know. And I said, but here's the thing. You didn't know if you reached out to somebody in the industry and that's what makes you a good politician. Mm, that's huge. Not, yeah. Um, but I will say most politicians aren't. They're hearing something from one person or they're hearing it from the lobbyist group, which the lobbyist groups are not always right either. They're all yeah. about getting money for their clients. So you need to reach out to the people, the real people out there that it, are that are in. That is so it's that's so simple, but so profound. And, and we we don't always do that and just go to the source and, and you're usually going to solve the problem. It's like one of the things I see in the industry for hospitality right now is restaurants closing down and limiting hours. 
mm. or even limiting spaces. They're closing off rooms uh, because they can't, they, they say they can't get staff. But in essence, what happens when you start closing down more, you're not utilizing the space you have as much as you can. Your staff then doesn't have as many hours a week as opportunities for them to work. Yeah. And so in the short term, you close down thinking that your business will transfer over to another day. But in the long term, you're ending up creating more problems with your um, with being able to pay your employees and be able to utilize your space and keep up with the increases in rent. Yeah. So you've got to be able to use your space all the time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and you've said this before too, it, when you limit time, it's just going to make people concentrate when they gather, not, and not spread it out over time, over time. Yeah. That was the best thing. Oh, we're, we're going to put restrictions and you can't stay out at past two o'clock, you know? So what did that do? That just brought tons of people out at three o'clock, you yeah. know? Um, and then they weren't going to work like they should have or doing something else. And then we end up with everybody in the grocery store at the same time. Yep. It, it yeah. just doesn't make sense. Well, you oh. know, Spread of COVID was just horrible during that time. Yeah. You know, for that reason. But for sure. Scott, well, Jeff, thanks so it. much. Thanks so much. Thanks. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Have a great day. Thanks. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Disruptive Podcast with Scott Middleton. Follow us on social media on Facebook and Twitter at the Disrupted Podcast. You can also help us out by giving us a five-star rating. Thanks for listening.